Hello, I'm Mika, and this is the Sea Beyond Show. In this episode, we're going to transport ourselves to Scotland and learn more about the carbon capture initiatives, projects, ambitions from uh, our uh, prominent guest, Mark Hughes with uh, Nexus. I hope you will enjoy this and please remember to subscribe and share. Thank you. So welcome back to the Sea Beyond Show. And uh, today I have uh, Mark Hughes with me from Scotland to talk about carbon capture and the energy transition. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Mika. Thank you. It's, it's nice to be here and thank you for the invitation. Well, we've had some, I mean, we met recently in Oslo too, and I think uh, it was so exciting to hear about, let's say, uh, the Scottish industry, what's happening in the energy transition. And I thought it would be great to kind of also bring this to a bigger audience um, as such. And for the pleasure of everyone, Mark, would you, would you care to, to make a short introduction of yourself and uh, uh, your affiliation with Nexus as such? Sure. Yeah, I can do that, Mika. Yeah. So, yes, I'm Mark Hughes. Uh, I'm currently the Chief Operating Officer at Nexus. Uh, I've been with Nexus for almost two years. Uh, my background uh, predominantly was in manufacturing in the early days. Uh, studied manufacturing, run production facilities and so on. Uh, mostly engineering products and components. Uh, but latterly, in the latter end of that career, I, I moved into oil and gas with uh, Schlumberger. And I spent a lot of time uh, in supply chain management and was based in Dubai in the Middle East for seven or eight years. So uh came back from the Middle East and uh, I've joined uh, Nexus in 2021. So I've been here, as I said, for, for a couple of years um, and thoroughly enjoyed my time here at Nexus. Yeah, so um, I have a follow-up question on that. But um, manufacturing is actually a domain we share and our, the passion there, because I do think, you know, it's so important with manufacturing. And I'm also really happy that these days we see the in, the inshoring or how you call it to, let's say, take back the it's manufacturing. Reversing. It's reversing, yes. isn't it? Yeah, which is, which is key. I mean, it's, 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 it was my first love, Mika, and I, I, I get really excited any time I visit a production site or a manufacturing site. Um, I used to love being at the back door of the facility when we were satisfying a customer's order and sending product out the door. Um, and I've never, ever lost that. It's, it's, as you say, it's a passion that uh, I think it will stay with me throughout my career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really agree. And OK, I, I think we just have to talk a little bit about manufacturing <laughs> because it is so <laughs> exciting. I, I really care about it too. And, and of course, who knows the most about, uh, let's say, for instance, manufacturing? That means also, let's say, it's about assembling something and it, it's about fabricating parts. And of course, the operators, the operators we have, they know most about, the, let's say, pain points and everything. Yeah. So, so having that learning and of course, if, if you offshore that somewhere else, you know, we, we lose those capabilities and yeah. uh, we don't have that feedback. Uh, and at the same time, yes, it might be cheaper in a sense to go somewhere else but yeah. actually the, the the value of it is is something you can't just let's say put in tangible 
uh, metrics as such. Very much so. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel as though we've lost at least a generation in the UK from from the whole offshoring that took place, you know, from the, the 80s and 90s. Um, but I think we're on, as you say, we're on the cusp of a whole new industry here. Um, yeah. And there seems to be strong commitment, certainly at government level. Um, and, and I know it's aspirational, but um, certainly in terms of some of the, the, the new transition projects, there's an aspiration from the, the government, the North Sea Transition Authority, uh, to, to, to aim for at least 50% local content on the projects. Yeah. So bringing bringing that capability back into you know our own countries, I think, is a it really is a, a positive step. Yeah, 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 and out of various aspects, and of course, I, how I see UK, for instance, is, is of course that you have such uh, uh, history, traditions, capabilities, and craftsmanship, manufacturing. So I mean, uh, get it back. Really? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'd endorse yeah. that 100% for sure. Yeah. And then, of course, geopolitics doesn't make it easier either. And and um, so I, th- I think we have to uh, all ring fence it in, in, yeah. in a different way these but, days. But, I mean, I'm, I'm quite, uh, you know, I'm certainly positive about the outlook. I'm, I'm positive with some of the some of the steps that the government have made. And, and, and within Scotland, with, uh, the Scottish government have set up a, a just transition commission. Which is uh, it's 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 a group of commissioners who are there to ensure that the the transition to the new energy outlook um, is is in fact just and it's equitable and everybody no one is left behind and I yeah. think uh, certainly in in the UK we've got experience of that in the not too distant past where industries were basically shut down and uh, people were more or less left to fend for themselves. So I think the the establishment of the Just Transition Commission is a is a really positive step within Scotland. Oh yes, and of course we we uh, let's say I'm I'm based in Norway and we see also of course this energy transition and it's it's not easy. It takes time. You need the let's say it's not just the industry that can move by itself because you also need let's say the authorities, the policymakers with you, and and um, let's say. And get the right funding, of course, the subsidies and, and support incentives to go this direction. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, th- I think um, if we talk, I mean, talking in CCS in particular now, Mika, the the, the, the big project for Scotland and, and one that's been been pushed uh, very hard over the last few years has been the the Acon project for transport and storage of CO two, um, and that. Uh, decision a few just a few weeks ago at the end of July was a major step forward for the CCUS and the, the transition within Scotland itself. As I said, there've been a few false uh, dawns in, in CCUS in Scotland, a few projects from uh, around 2012, which were quite a long way down the line, but then get pulled at the last minute. Um, so that I think it was probably fair to say there was a bit of scepticism about whether. Um, we'd actually get to this point, and now we have. I think uh, you know that optimism is there, the momentum's there now, um, and I'm pleased that the UK government have, have given the Acorn project track two status. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely a kick in the right direction. For sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but of course, you know, like. Uh, I, I, I'm so into the, let's say, the CCUS value chain myself. And of course, 
I think, uh, you know, the, the carbon capture side, we can solve that and we can integrate that in plants. What, what we see now, and, and let's say we have very few storage facilities for the time being. And, and uh, many companies looking at, yes, how do we do carbon capture? Yeah, we, we can solve that, but that's only half of it because you have to kind of find exactly like you do with the acorn. I mean, the transportation and the storage. And we need yeah. more of it. Absolutely. I mean, that announcement um, on Acorn was was very very positive, particularly for Scotland, but certainly uh, the UK government followed that up along with the North Sea Transition Authority just in the last week or so on new uh, licensing arrangements for storage locations in the North Sea. So we're now up to a total of 27 individual licenses being issued for that as well, Mika. So. Well, um, you're, you're right, but you know you need to get the balance. I mean, nobody's going to. What's the point of capturing carbon if you can't store it somewhere? So you need to know that that, especially within the Scotland and the main emitters in Scotland, they had to have a certainty that the you know there was a storage location that they could use, and getting the the sequencing of that uh, is important. So, Acorn's a massive step, as I said, and and you know the the announcements from the North Sea Transition Authority and new licensing over the last week or so is also another big step towards that. Absolutely, absolutely. So enlighten me and, and the audience. When will this be, let's say, up and running uh, as such? Well, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good question, but I know sort of lead developers in, in um, the, the ACORN project, um, they, they, they think at the moment, by 2028, they could be injecting. Not bad, not bad. Okay. Not too bad. That's, you know, I mean, yeah. early, it's obviously early days that they're going through initially a, a due diligence process with the, the UK government, which is, is, is in process at the moment. And then once that's concluded, um, I think there will be more announcements around uh, the, the process from there and the actual timescales as well. So we should get a better idea of that, uh, I would suggest, around mid-October. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. And of course, you know, I mean, it, nothing is given, of course, that, oh, is it 28 or what happens? But of course, we, we see also many projects, you know, they, they, uh, uh, they drag out in time in terms of their uh, final investment decisions, yeah. you know, but we, we certainly have to do much more prior to 2030 or have more plants and storage facilities up and running. We do. Um, yeah. I mean, I was looking at some of the data released by the CCSA lately as well. So just just in this week alone, they've done uh, an update to their delivery plan, which they they, they, they use to kind of keep the government uh, on track, if you like. But they, their, their data at the moment is suggesting that there is over 90 CO2 capture projects in development at the moment. Yeah. So that's a that's a big big number compared to where we were. Um, so in, in that in terms of the pipeline um, for for volumes of CO2, last year the pipeline was sitting about 73 mega megatons of CO2 per year, and it's now up at 94. Um, yeah. So there's there's definitely the movement is is there and it's going in the right direction. Because as we mentioned just before we come on, you know. You can start to feel that, that you know, and, and there's more evidence now as well that things are going in the right direction. Oh yes, absolutely. It, it's uh, good indicators, 
Um, I've spent the past few days in Bremen at, at the CCUS conference there, and I, I can just confirm that too, because, you know, the, the momentum is growing. Companies, they want to go more for, let's say, the actions and, and uh, move ahead. Of course, everyone is looking for, let's say, also uh, governmental funding, can they create revenue streams, etc. And then they yeah. have to come into, of course, also the utilization, CCU as such. Yeah. And uh, yeah. do we see anything of that in, in Scotland? Well, we, one of our members is uh, very big on the CCU side. They actually they, they produce CCU and supply about 60 to 70% of Scotland's CCU requirements uh, from one, one facility. Um, so they, they have a uh, 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 is it an anaerobic desorption process for uh, slurry, organic slurry, and they take they take the methane from that output and and produce CO two directly on site, which is then used in the you know pharmaceutical industries. It's used in aviation for preserving foodstuffs and things like that. So they they are yeah. very much uh, at, at the forefront of that. But I think. Certainly, my experience in the last couple of years, I think the utilisation aspect has probably been uh, undervalued, uh, and, and, and I don't think enough attention has been paid to that. I think I think it's starting to come through now, Mika, but um, I think um, utilisation has been at the you know the it's a secondary thought almost compared to yes. to the storage side, and I, I think it's getting more uh, commentary now, and I think there will be more projects coming. I mean. We, we, we have, we've been talking to some organisations about, uh, you know, sustainable aviation fuels and, you know, power to X type projects that are coming on stream as well. So um, there's definitely a, an uptick in, in that level of interest now. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just to see that there's so many uh, variables and aspects in terms of the whole CCUS value chain also to consider. Absolutely. And you can't do it all by yourself. And there's no. plenty of space to kind of be innovative yeah. and, and bring on new solutions, etc. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, there's an interesting story I was at a site yesterday just talking about the sort of self-sufficiency, um, and it, it's it's one that's uh, particular to Scotland because it's another industry close to my heart. It's the Scotch whisky industry, and I was on a, a, a distillery yesterday. A, Originally, I mean, it's, it's totally self-sustainable because it's a farming uh, family who owned the farm and have moved into a distillery on site on their farm. But they were very, very much keen on making everything as sustainable as they could possibly make it. And uh, that that goes back to the the seeds that they use, the the, the methods they use to to plough the fields and so on. All right, back to that. But from our perspective, they they've done some really good stuff. Technology-wise, they'd, they've got their own uh, on-site wind tur- turbine, um, which would then feed into an electrolyzer, and that would that would go then get the hydrogen to uh, power up the 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 boiler to produce the steam to do the fermentation process. So all of that on-site in the one place um, was 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 really interesting to see. Yeah, how cool is that? I mean, uh, high tech. Uh, sustainable whiskey company with some pr- probably good drops coming out as well. They absolutely too. did, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, and and again, from a distillery point of view, from a from a Scotsman's point of view, getting in, getting in and seeing the whiskey at the end of that process, you can see 
that it was it was very worthwhile. But at the heart of what they wanted to do was the the whole you know energy conservation, sustainability, um, and and being absolutely self sufficient. And it was you know very much an eye opener. I hadn't seen anything that had, as you say, the combination of uh, you know almost developing farming techniques, sitting alongside you know modern technology like electrolyzers and so on. So it was a it was a great a great insight to that. Yeah, well, yes, and I think that is a fantastic example too. I mean, showing that yes, actually, in your let's say the whole uh, value chain, you can integrate. Uh, that yeah. it, it is possible, it is feasible mm-hmm. to, to go this direction. So uh, we need more of those examples. Indeed, yes. Yeah. I'll do a whiskey tour and I'll keep you up to date. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Um, yes. So of course. Uh, you you take care of Scotland as such with Nexus, but uh, I mean you recently were in Norway too on on, on a tour and and having this yeah. uh, conference here. What what are you looking for in terms of let's say uh, other countries or or reaching well, out as such? Yeah, uh, I mean that that was our I mean very briefly about Nexus then because we we are an industry body so we are. Uh, for we have over 55 members at the moment, and we are actively looking for membership. We always do, um, but so we we would you know we we do a lot of knowledge sharing. We 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 have newsletters, we have webinars, we do all that kind of stuff. But obviously, post pandemic, we've we're we're really gearing up and ramping up our in person events, and we've 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 had half a dozen or so in the last year. But but Norway in particular was our first uh, event overseas. And, you know, our thinking behind that was, you know, no, no one body, no one industry, no one company has the answer to all of this. Um, and we need to get, uh, support. We need to get information. We need to get learning. We need knowledge exchange. And we need to, you know, the, the obvious C word is collaborate. And, and, and the real premise of coming to Norway was to try and understand what was going on in, in one of our near neighbors. Country that's you know worked very very closely with Scotland over decades across the North Sea in terms of the oil and gas industry, and and we see you know as we're on the cusp of a new industry going forward, and we want to we want to maintain those relationships, but fundamentally we wanted to bring some of our members over to to, to understand uh, what projects were, were were ongoing, how had they been delivered, uh, who was involved. What, what kind of success rates were, were being achieved, and it was really just to do that sharing, so that we could we could collaborate and bring those learnings back to Scotland, but also working together with individual organisations going forward. Everyone made uh, lots and lots of connections from those two days, um, and we're already planning how we can build in that. Um, we we have an annual conference. Uh, Every Feb- February in Edinburgh in Scotland at Murrayfield Stadium, and my view is that we will have during the 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 the, 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 the day's conference we will have an international session at that Mika, and uh, I, very soon I will be inviting uh, the, the attendees from the Norway side uh, from last month to come over uh, to, to participate in that annual conference. So we we, we intend to build on the connections that were made during those uh, couple of days. Yeah, Mark, that that sounds exciting, really. So, uh, and what what you say reverberates so well with me too, because I think I, I tend to say that 
we have to collaborate to innovate. And that means, let's say, knowledge sharing. Of course, there's a lot of, let's say, private companies. We need our own businesses and IP and et cetera. It's not about sharing the confidential things, but it's more to kind of work as a community to, to, so, so we can also be strong in our, let's say, voice to, to policymakers, et cetera. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And, and, and that single voice, um, that single coherent voice that, that represents industry as a whole, that's exactly what we are trying to achieve. It's what, it's one of our key relationships and, uh, we have with the, you know, Scottish government, with the UK government. You know, we see our position as the voice of industry. So we have that membership. We have partners as, as well that we can push that single message towards the, the regulators and policymakers. Yes. Absolutely, I agree there, Mark. And um, let's say you're, you're really into, let's say, uh, all the various stakeholders here. So um, in your opinion, what do you think is the, let's say, the key challenges now, I mean, in, in the near future, two, three years? I mean, what, what do we need to solve uh, the top priority things in, uh, in, in the industry? I think the... the I think the whole investment and business model thing needs needs absolute clarity, uh, Mika. Um, I yeah. do know that you know there's there are a lot of conversations going on around that space. Um, I, I as I said at the at the outset, I think uh, the Acorn project for Scotland is is a major step forward. But understanding how. Uh, the main developers there can get to that final investment decision is is critical, um, and, and and on a bigger scale, um, I suppose there is a feeling that that we can see there is a lot of uh, policy deployment across the the US in particular and also in Europe um, that we I mean I would certainly see that as a risk to projects within the UK. Because um, USA, Europe seem to have developed uh, maybe quicker means of getting investments confirmed and getting projects off the ground than seem to have been the case so far. And I think we, we need to respond to that and, and make sure that these barriers are, are overcome quickly. And people can see, I mean, the information that I get speaking to people is that the, the, the investment capital is there and people are willing to invest. They just need to, to know what the models are so that they, they know how how that's going to work. Um, and if the longer you leave that, the, the, the more chance of that investment going elsewhere uh, is going to increase. So that's what we want to avoid. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think also that, yeah, bring clarity, also allow companies or, or clusters or whatever that there's kind of a follow through so it doesn't stop up. Let's say you yeah. do a feasibility study or other type of study, then it just stops because you don't have any other means of funding, you know, and exactly. And that's kind of, that that's been a, a an issue so far. Um the way the way the UK government set up the, the initial uh, approach to this was to set up the six industrial clusters across the UK and they developed initially a roadmap but then Beyond that, they wanted to move into deployment plans and, you know, the funding for a lot of the initial clusters that didn't make any of the track selections 
as soon as they, they provided the roadmaps, there was no more funding to follow that through and take that roadmap and, and, and translate it into a tangible tangible project. Yeah. And even, even the people who were involved in developing the roadmaps, Mika, um, they were in fixed contracts because of the funding. And it's you know, so you've 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 essentially you've lost a lot of skills and knowledge of the people who were involved because they've had to they've had to go elsewhere because there wasn't that continuity of funding. So you're you're losing people with real good experience, real good knowledge about how the clusters were meant to operate, and uh, you know they've, they've gone into different projects elsewhere. So yeah, um, that that continuity of of uh, finance and funding is I think is critical. It it is it is definitely, and and I think we see that the, the sense of the Norwegian government wanted to let's say support that and understand that that this dialogue is very important. And at the same time, like, okay, you mentioned, Mark, the, the, the ACORN project. I mean, we can't just stop with one, you know, and wait no. till that is. There needs to be, let's say, you can't, it is not an exhaustion of what we need to do as such. So you need to fill up with even more projects. Yeah, you such. absolutely do. Um, and, and, you know, having a transportation storage system in place, okay, we, we get it, it's an anchor, it's absolutely fundamental. Um, we're one of the projects I worked on uh, over the last couple of years was the Scotland's Net Zero Roadmap project, and and that was a fantastic project. But it worked it, it worked with 28 of the largest emitters in Scotland. But it, it it was it was companies who were in a certain geography that could all connect into that transportation system, make it, which made perfect sense as a as a first uh, pass at this. But we then also need to recognise that there are a number of emitters. Elsewhere, you know, and, and possibly in more rural locations, and we, we we refer to them as dispersed sites. How do we connect these guys up? How do we support them with financial uh, decisions that they have to make to allow them to to hook into this infrastructure? So we we can't just do the, the big the big uh, you know high profile projects and leave it at that. We've got to take oh. everyone with us. You know, everybody has to be included here, or it just won't work. Oh yes, and and you know it, it's not like in every segment it's just going to be one company. I think there's so many projects and, and activities that there's plenty of it for many, but we have to get that funding and and continuity going and mm-hmm. and on a much higher level. I mean, I saw also uh, you know uh, at the clean tech uh, event here in Oslo earlier this week, um, they showed kind of the mountain we have to climb in terms of the trillions of euros or pounds that have to be invested in the energy transition. Yes, there's always an increase year by year, but it's still so marginal in terms of what we need. So everyone should kind of, let's say, chip in who who can do this and support the energy transition. Um, It's a long journey. It takes time. We are all impatient, but I'm I'm sure we can do more if, if we collaborate. Agree, absolutely agree with you. Yeah, definitely. So, and I think that that's that's the path we have to continue on, Mark. Right. So, I mean, we we, we're going to continue our discussions and dialogue, and and I think we're going to meet up very soon again, face to face. Actually, so uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, I've booked booked accommodation, so I'll I will hopefully uh, make a point of catching up with you in 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 London in a few weeks. Yeah. So. I, I look 
very much forward to that again, Mark. And uh, it's always so enjoyable to to uh, speak with you and and you get some of your insights. So uh, thank you for your time. Not and, at all. Um, yeah, enjoy the weekend, yeah. etc. You thank too, Mika. Good to see you again. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.